1: Welcome to the There It Is Podcast, a comedy podcast to help you find your inspiration. I'm your host, Jason Farr. Let's do this. Thanks so much for being here. Really great guest today. It's a friend and colleague, Julia Schroeder. Can you say colleague when they're on an improv team with you? Does that count? No? Okay. I'm being told no. I wanted to mention something real quick. I submitted for... A writing job at a late night talk show that uh, I, I would love to work at. And I'm bringing it up not to be like, hey, look at me. I'm on the up and up because I'm sure a million people applied for that. Who knows what will happen? I, I, You know, mine may have gone right into the trash bin. Um, they may have printed it from the email and then thrown it out just, just for that purpose of throwing it out. Uh, <laughs> I have no idea what's going to happen, but my point of bringing it up is... That beforehand, before I started working on the packet, I wasn't thinking very highly of myself. I wasn't sure that I could really do it. And then I wrote it, and I was proud of the stuff that I wrote. I, I liked it. And I had a sense of accomplishment with it that I would have cheated myself out of had I not gone through with writing it and just ignoring my insecurities, telling me that I couldn't. And so it's a lesson in going for it it's a lesson in putting yourself out there even if it means making yourself real vulnerable and and having to work against that inner voice telling you that you can't like just go for it because what's on the other side is pretty nice even if you don't get the gig Well, let's get to today's episode. I already mentioned that it's with Julia Schroeder. She's great. She's so fun. We have a really fun chat. A little note here, though, the apartment above mine is being worked on. So you're going to hear some noise, especially late in it. And it's too much to ignore. So just know that that's coming. All right. Well, here we are. Here's my chat with Julia Schroeder. Julia, my dear friend, you are from Detroit a place that i've only driven through really <laughs> to go to an airport
0: yeah you know what <laughs> in the airport is outside in the airport is outside detroit it's in like romulus
1: right i drove past 8 mile and i remember thinking hey 8 mile like the oh, exit go. for
0: 8 for 8 mile <laughs> okay that's so interesting because i do i uh, don't i'm from the suburbs but my parents' house is in between seven and eight mile. So the exit that we get off of, depending on which way we're coming from, is eight mile.
1: Mm-hmm, Do you mm-hmm. think
0: that's cool? Do you think that gives me cred?
1: <laughs> yeah, I I think so. Okay, well. I have found that I like people from Detroit. But um, when I was there, I was not like crazy about it pitch me well, on liking I mean, michigan
0: <laughs> if you <laughs> no, if you're driving through romulus then you're not gonna like it
1: <laughs> so you grew up in romulus and
0: no 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 don't put that on me jason don't do dare put that on me the um airport isn't romulus oh also, right, I right don't I'm know sorry. If that's true but i think it's like around i think it's like um around there but anyway but i grew the, up in a the suburbs of, of
1: right and yes. you started doing comedy there. Did you I also did. start acting there? Like what was your exposure to performance?
0: So I I grew up playing sports. That was my thing. I I didn't start improv or anything. I, I didn't start improv until I was like twenty two ish.
1: Oh, you're out um, of college.
0: Yes. Yeah. I always like loved comedy. I loved laughing. I, I grew up... My family is very funny and we, you know, grew up with the, the classics. We watched SNL, loved, like, Mel Brooks movies and um, my dad always had us watch The Three Stooges and he, he's a big comedy fan. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've, I've just grown up around my... my both sides of my family are, are very funny and I've, like, just been inspired by them first and foremost. But it was never something that I like wanted. It was never something that I like ever thought I would do. I was never like the funny. (laughs) I was never even the funny one of my family.
1: You were thinking all about sports because you did a a few things.
0: Yeah, I played soccer and basketball. Those were my main two sports. And um, and then I started running cross country senior year of high school um, and then played uh, soccer in college. And then I guess one year of basketball as well. And and it is funny. I, I know your question was when did I start comedy, but actually, like on my teams, that's like where I feel like I found comedy. Just like always had so much fun. I I was doing. I've said this before, but like I was obsessed with doing bits before I knew what they were. And so much of that like came from those teams and like my my best friends who are the funniest people in the world. You know.
1: Yeah, there is a camaraderie, and that involves joking around in sports. I mean, totally. like it's everyone cutting up on the bus or or mm-hmm. uh, in the locker room. Um, hopefully, not on the court or field.
0: <laughs> Only a little. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, not too much joking around can go on. Can't really do a no, bit. No, I didn't on the field. <laughs> right, right. Trying to run a play.
0: yeah yeah (laughs) we're running two not doing this dumb bit julia
1: (laughs) (laughs) what sort of because you eventually you do go into improv and did you notice i've always felt like there is some kind of kinship or at least things that people can learn from organized sports in regards to joining an improv team have you noticed that at all like that was a, a hypothesis of mine but do you have any experience noticing similarities or benefits from coming from sports and going into improv?
0: I think for sure I mean I know like everybody's like experiences sort of shape who they are and that's just like what it is but I have thought about this I I feel like one thing I love so much about improv is it's that like connection to other people and first and foremost you're supporting everybody else on the team or whoever you're out there with. And I think that's like absolutely something I've learned from sports where like we are we are working together as a team. Everyone has their role. Everyone plays a different part. And I think like you don't get anywhere if you don't like if you can't work well together. Right. And I think that absolutely translated. And I think there was something I was completely, like, missing once I was done with organized sports after college. And it is that, like, person-to-person connection and, like, ensemble sort of, like, togetherness that you get with organized sports the ability to just like play with a team and a group of people and like come together and like do something awesome absolutely translated from sports to to improv.
1: Right. I imagine trust is also a part of it and and also when it comes to learning plays and how everyone's individual role can help the overall play and overall game work. Uh, Is also Mm -hmm. something that would translate because if you're doing an improv show together, knowing the different elements and how you can contribute to the structure of a show and how improv works uh, and work in concert with other people can help shows overall work.
0: Yeah, I I love that. And you know what I... I thought of not even something in my own life, but I, I've been, we've been um, watching the last dance uh, and just like totally obsessed with it. And it makes me think about, I I think about like the different personalities on those bulls teams, like, uh, and, and how like they all knew what each other were bringing. And the, the thing that like, is coming to my mind is how like Dennis Robin was just like he they had to consider his personality (laughs) and his needs and his like and his like overall character on in being on the team they like had to let him go like run amok in Vegas for like a full three days for for him to come back and like give everything on the uh, on the court and I think that's so nuts and I think like that that (laughs) like resonates on a on a comedy team too you know you know what people you know what people's personalities are you know what like they're gonna bring you might feed them different things because of it (laughs) yeah absolutely (laughs) so funny
1: yeah there are such different dynamics that you have to adjust to and realize like you can't say, well, everyone needs to just be like this because that's just not how life works. Mm -hmm. You have to consider that some people uh, aren't going to like practices on weekends or Mm -hmm. going out to the bar before a show, you know, like you like there are all these different elements Whereas some people that's how they would thrive. (laughs) Having a drink before an hour before the show or something like that
0: yes and it's yeah it, it, that's so true and it's like knowing the makeup of whatever team or ensemble you're a part of and like making it work with that group and and also knowing like what's gonna what's gonna maintain like stability with within the team you might you know act a certain way on one team you're on and team can apply to either comedy or um sports in this situation too um but You might act a certain way on one team, but you have to like play a different role on another team or whatever. And you might sit back and be like, okay, I know we're doing (laughs) this team likes doing uh, Sunday morning rehearsals because this is what we've committed to. And 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 we're going to go all in or or whatever. Yeah. Whereas on another team, it's like totally. Totally just a different. Personality.
1: Were you looking for having that experience again what was your reasoning for going into comedy
0: that's a great question i think subconsciously i was looking for that outlet after i I and i and i think after like i kind of alluded to it but sports was sort of an outlet for like performance for me and i think that's always been a part of me um before high school i was in uh band and dance and like i loved i loved both of um those things and and was like pretty serious about them at the time and then once high school hit kind of was like all right time to focus on like my priorities which was always soccer and basketball but it the the like performance aspect of like being involved in on these teams and in these sports never left me and i think i really was Missing like a a group a group to like be myself around, and I think even more so than soccer and basketball and and whatever, I found that in improv, and it really came at a like a a weird time in my life. It was after I graduated from um from college from undergrad, and I was it was in a gap year, and I was applying to um grad schools and everything. And I was living at my parents' house, and and just a, I, I was trying to find a new identity. I've talked about this before in other um, uh, situations, but I yeah I I I had lost my identity of like for the past like twenty one <laughs> years of my life. Uh, for as long as I could remember I was involved in sports so it was really like what now right and I also during that time just like was it was the first time where I really felt like freedom to like watch tv shows and I found twitter and like found these different outlets that I was like oh my gosh wait like this comedy world is funny (laughs) (laughs) cool um and it was definitely like you know comedy bang bang and and those types of podcasts that i was like okay these people improvise and i don't know what that means except for whose line is it anyway but i someone tagged themselves into like go comedy improv theater which is the theater near detroit um i'd never heard of it before and i like went to their site and I was like, yeah, I think this I think I need to try this. And then basically never looked back.
1: That's very interesting to me because it sort of reminds me of when ball players retire. You know, like famously Brett Favre had a very hard time hanging up his cleats, but in your case, <laughs> yep. you know, you were looking for another tribe, so to speak.
0: Yeah. Yeah, totally totally and and i and i think i had found in that year like i i think being funny might be part of my identity i think like i i i mean people would always like i i loved laughing i loved making other people laugh and i again like loved doing bits before I knew what they were and so like without really understanding what those terms were what all of it meant I I just like realized that I absolutely identified as like a a loving comedy and and that being part of who I was and so I think once I took a an improv class even just like the warm-up exercise I I just was like oh okay this is a chance for me to like have space to like say something and be weird and everyone is like just accepting it
1: (laughs) (laughs) that is sort of the weird thing I guess about comedy yeah like you you start saying the things that are in your brain that you think no one would like Mhm or even hate you for. <laughs> you say it and people laugh and it's like, "Oh. Hey, well that was fun." <laughs> it's there's something totally. freeing about that.
0: Totally. And I think like part of who I am is like I just say like dumb shit. And I don't even <laughs> think I mean it and I <laughs> I mean dumb shit in like a very <laughs> um benign benign
1: (laughs) you're not saying horrible offensive things
0: yeah (laughs) being (laughs) offensive but I, i i just like i think my my mouth moves faster than my brain and sometimes just whatever comes out of my mouth is like i that was so truly idiotic and i've like, in the past i've been like so self-conscious about it in like either you know professional settings like just like 18 different filters on what is coming out of my mouth and and, and everything and at, at, in improv it, it's celebrated to to just like say what's on your mind without a filter and i in the same breath have to say that you cannot just say whatever you want and improv (laughs) please please don't mistake this for (laughs) that is the
1: sort of thing that when so many people when you hear so many comics say like oh you can't say anything anymore what they're really upset about is that they have to filter at all and i understand the like freedom of no filter but you do still have to be responsible (laughs) when you're on a stage talking to a group of people and you have no idea who's in the audience. Like it's reasonable to throw some filters on to not deeply offend, uh, somebody for something traumatic that happened to them. Uh, you know, (laughs) and that's, that's all anyone's asking. That's not like too much to ask.
0: Yeah. It's almost like lifting the, the filter of like, of like emotions more than like, words too like Mm -hmm. uh, 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 the ability to just like be like honest to whatever you're like feeling or reacting to in in that moment
1: that is the hardest thing to do in improv for me for some reason yeah it is so hard like in in acting when you know the line and you know what's coming it's easier for me to do it then but in an improv show i'm like i don't fully know who i am yet I don't know if I fully follow what this person wants from me uh, mm-hmm. in this scene, which is just me getting in my way, really, because they just want me to be and do something. They don't necessarily want me to do a specific thing. Um, and totally. it's it can be really debilitating on stage. But I do feel that you and this is one of the main reasons I wanted to talk to you is your freedom on stage to really accept what's going on and, and embrace it and be present. And there is a a lot of fun that comes from that.
0: Yes. Yeah. I have a lot of fun improvising.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's great. Yeah, I love watching you. We were all so excited when you joined our team. And uh, even Justina, girlfriend of the show. Well, she was like, love Julia's going to be on of Sweetheart. the show, Justina.
0: <laughs> oh. Well, and and it's funny because I I always look to Justina as someone like that. I I, I when I watch her, that's how I feel. Yeah. I, I'm like there's something there's something so real and immediate about the way she plays, and and I, it, it's you know certain people have that that quality where it's just like. She's just always in the moment, and and she's also someone who's just like always like committing one hundred percent. There's never like a f- a fifty percent from her. You know what I mean?
1: I absolutely know what you mean. I've been saying that for years to her. Yes, <laughs> you know, because I totally agree. Um, I a hundred percent agree. Everyone who yeah. has seen her perform, who's listening, especially people back home, know that that's exactly what they love about her on stage.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it, it's it's amazing and that's that's like the I, I feel like she she exudes the same sort of like joy that I feel when when um I improvise as well
1: yeah I would love to see you two perform together because of oh my God, this. I would
0: love that
1: <laughs> I break a lot with you because of oh. that freedom that you just exude on stage because you're you'll do something so. Surprising and so silly and fun that, uh, like I can't keep it in. Like I, it just it always catches me <laughs> off guard. That's why I love doing scenes with you because I always get caught off guard with you and I love trying to catch you off
0: guard
1: <laughs> and yeah. make you yeah. laugh.
0: Yeah, you, you, and you do. Uh, that's, that's, that's so nice of you to say. And I feel, and that's like especially nice because one, I don't feel like you break a lot. And two, I love doing scenes with you as well because. I you I mean, it's funny also because you said that it's so hard for you to like or one of the hardest things about improv in general is to react honestly. And, you know, when you're improvising, you don't know who you are and whatever. But I feel like you as an improviser bring that like grounded acting and like you I I just feel like I always get honest acting from you. And I that's one of the reasons why I like love doing scenes with you. Because it's when when someone else like can bring that honesty and and know who they are, it makes everyone else kind of like flounder less.
1: Oh, that's nice to hear. Thank you. I I I was encouraged early on by a friend, uh, Jen Newsom Bianchi, back home. Who in like our level one or level two, she was like, "You're such an actor. You're such a good actor," mm-hmm. and, and I was like. Kind of shocked <laughs> that uh, anyone was saying that, but also really appreciate and respect her. So uh, it it really, uh, I really took it to heart, and I've I've been I feel more confident in that because of her saying that. And so yes. I still am in my head a lot, but uh, anytime you know like like you saying that is is to me just like a testament to being encouraged by her.
0: Oh, Oh, one hundred percent. Jen Newsom Bianchi is that's her name
1: mm-hmm. she's mm-hmm.
0: right <laughs>
1: well thank you both yeah some of the people that I appreciate the most um, pretty much all of the people that I appreciate the most in in improv are people who are it's not like watching someone just goof around even though they're goofing around but they have it's like you know a TJ and Dave or Jason Manzoukas, um, or you know like you have countless people I love mm-hmm. that about their performing because it's, it's like you're watching someone acting and yet uh, they are just making it up as they go and trying to be like completely ridiculous. <laughs> you know, like And that's, totally. that's essentially why I chose the magnet because I felt like that's what you get from the magnet. You know, you you see, I saw Chet Siegel and uh, when you watch trike or Cornfeld and Andrews or Megan Gray or like, the, the all these different people um you get that and i was like well this is clearly the place i need to train because <laughs> exactly totally. what i love most is what is heavily on display at the magnet
0: i 100 percent agree uh, the, yeah some of the the best improvisers i've ever seen are at the at the magnet and and i always like think about the balance between um like good acting and absurdity. I think that's like my ideal spot in in improv. Mhm. There's nothing more satisfying than committing to something and acting it well. I, I it's there's such joy in that. Yeah. But then there's also that piece that's like the the absurdity of what we're doing and like any any like situation that we might be put in on stage. I love like turning that stuff on its head and like also the i'm reluctant to say this but like the the meta stuff to a certain extent and i I can like qualify that because i don't think all of it is valuable but the meta stuff is is so is so joyous to me when things like go off the rails i mean the 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 people that i look to that have that perfect like balance is like I always say this, but Rebecca Robles is like my oh probably my favorite improviser she's <laughs> I've ever so seen. Good. I think she has that I love perfectly. her. Yes.
1: Yeah. On and oh. off stage. You are right. That is a perfect description of how Rebecca plays because she does have this this she's such a good actor. And yes. she like has this presence on stage and she is so 100% committing, but she will say the most outlandish things yes. <laughs> and just own it. And it's not like everyone else could be like, what? <laughs> like totally. everyone around could be doing that, but she's saying it like it's the most normal thing that someone could have said in that moment. And it's just so absurd and so delightful.
0: Oh my God. I'm just laughing, like thinking about it.
1: <laughs> Me too. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's really oh gosh
0: and and the way the way like metal boy plays with each other i mean i'll watch her do anything i'll watch pat do anything but the way that they all like play with each other and chrissy the way that they all play with each other is so is so amazing to me it's just like (laughs) they're an absurd
1: team like that is yeah that is a team that will have absurdity and this (laughs) this like commitment and uh and I would say body work is also that way where there's something ridiculous can be going on, but they all have such a presence on stage.
0: And you know what I think of like that brings it back to like trust. There's just like an ultimate trust with these teams. I just think like especially Metal Boy because I I just like love the the, um, immediacy and the um, like spontaneity that they play with. Um, but body work for sure. There's just like, yeah, there's that they, I mean, metal boy has been had, you know, has been playing together for years and there's just like nothing that anyone can do that anyone else is going to be like, Oh, Oh, uh, what, what were they going for? It's just like, no, we're just going to like take every second as it comes and know that everyone has each other's back. It, it's just like, yeah, it's like, the very fun to watch. Yeah.
1: And I think, you know, what you're saying, you know, about how the team's working together, that is absolutely what you're, what a team can strive for. There are a lot of building blocks to that, or I shouldn't make it seem like so many building blocks and it'll take forever to build them. But what people like about those teams is that trust that they have to just do anything together and not hold back. And yeah. that that takes so much trust in one another and knowing what can be accomplished if you work together, I guess. Totally. You
0: know? Totally. I uh, like yeah. it.
1: So when you started in Detroit, like what you you started at the what was the name of the theater?
0: Go Comedy Improv Theater.
1: And isn't there another theater in Detroit?
0: There is. Yeah. Okay. So there are uh there's also Planet Ant, which is uh, Go Comedy is technically in Ferndale, which is just north of Detroit, and then uh Planet Ant is in Hamtramck, which is sort of like a pocket inside of Detroit. Detroit's actually kind of a big city and Hamtramck is a little pocket inside of Detroit. And Planet Ant was the one that was started by Keegan Michael Key. Right. Uh yeah, back like, you know, I don't know. Twenty years ago or so
1: yeah yeah i knew that he started you know was doing improv there and and uh you know had had big roots there i wasn't sure if you were at that theater
0: yeah i've done a few i've done i've done a few things there Uh, my 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 home base was go comedy but they are like a little bit you know the the communities just like blend big time and um one of my like my main kind of team back in in detroit was named uh reclassify pluto and we were together for for um few years before you know people moved away and whatever but we did like the planet and um there's like a competition every summer ish and we won that competition and the the like reward basically is you get to write a show with one of their um home team members or really, like, one of their main, like, directors. So um, we got to write a, uh, a one-act play, and our director's name is Mike McGettigan, and one of just, like, the the most fantastic directors ever. And uh, it was, like, one of, one of my favorite things that I've done um, in the comedy world is write this show and perform this show with uh, my favorite favorite people i love the ant but yeah most of the stuff i did was at go comedy i mean i got immersed like immediately there and just like did every single thing i could when did
1: you pivot from improv into doing the like duo shows and character work and things like that
0: i started i mean my first class was in august of 2013 july late july august of 2013 um, and then it was, I mean, I mean, I just like was taking classes. I was like ushering there. I was doing everything I could all the while. I was like still, I had just started my program at university of Michigan <laughs> public health school. So it was kind of an odd, uh, tandem life I was living, but, um, yeah, just was like doing as much improv as possible and taking in as much improv as possible. And I took my first sketch class in 2014, almost almost a year later and that program culminated in a uh, student sketch show that we didn't perform in but we like w- wrote and uh got to cast and that kind of started my love of sketch I mean I always loved it but it was sort of like the first the first like foray that I got into like sketch writing mm-hmm. and sort of from there it was like oh man I, I the, the whole like writing piece is really exciting as well and I find that I like kind of have like a different voice with writing than I do with improv but anyway that kind of that kind of morphed into just like I'm gonna do any type of comedy I can get my hands on I was interested in everything I still am it's one of my biggest problems (laughs) I mean you've Uh, done a lot of
1: character (laughs) bits online since the stay-at-home oh, yeah. order stuff started, <laughs> and you were doing that anyway a good bit. And you're on your sketch team, a couple of different sketch teams in New York. Um, so you, you're doing a lot here. You're still fully immersed, as you say. I'm curious to go back to something you mentioned about how your voice is a little different for scripted things when you write for sketch, and I do see when you're performing. I still see you do your fun, free thing on stage when you are uh, performing in sketch, as I see when you're performing improv. But I do know what you're talking about when you say you have a different voice a little bit. Can you expound on that?
0: Yeah, I will try. Because I still don't know if I totally get it. But what I will say is like when I sit down to write something it often is like a little bit more like jokey joke writing and like formulaic and that way and it's like at least when I first started writing sketch a, a, a lot of it tends to be this like methodical kind of like the like sarcasm slash satire is like a, a big part of it and it it feels like a, I, I have a very hard time like getting my like absurdity sort of like love of that clowny uh performance style into writing so if ever there's like character bits or whatever i often am like just either if there's any writing it's like just writing ideas down of um like oh here's like a a a line or here's a topic that this person can say rather than like writing a sketch about it i feel like when i write sketch it, it it definitely is that m- more like, okay, well, got to follow this formula. <laughs> that That's, I think, what I've taken away. But tell me if you see something different, too.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I would say it's like formulaic, but I do think, I do see what you're saying about maybe it's a little more satirical. And yeah. uh, so maybe the sort of things that you would joke about when you're writing a character bit or a sketch is different than the sort of stuff that you would joke about in an improv scene. And maybe it's yeah. because the spontaneity of improv maybe totally has is you know, the reason for that.
0: That's a great, that's a great point. Like that, that, you know, the, there's always those like workshops and classes you can take to like improv to sketch and whatever. And I just think for me, it, it, yeah, I know that's the whole way that Second City functions. So I I, I value that process. And I think there's like definitely um, it, it makes sense. But for me, like to just do a random improv scene, if it's very funny, usually it's not going to be funny if you write it or if it's on paper. I mean, I, I'm sure there are things you can take from it. But usually what's so funny to me about performing improv or watching my favorite improv is that we're all in a room together and like someone just... What th- this like situation is created? It's not funny on paper. It's that we're all. It's that it's being made up. So I, I, yeah, I don't know. I I think it's, I think it's like different joys. For me, and tomorrow I may like realize like, Julia, what the fuck were you talking about? <laughs> but I think that's how I feel right now. I'm with But I guess you. this is what I'll add. This is what I'll add. The improv to sketch type thing. I find valuable when like you're given a premise and then you can improvise inside of that premise kind of like you were talking about when with just like straight up acting you know who you are and you know what the situation is going to be and all it all it means is now you get to improvise your reactions your emotions your you know however it's going to be and I think that is a very valuable skill and um um process
1: yeah, that makes complete sense to me. Yeah. I have to talk... I, I mean, I can't not talk about Detroit and all of the performing you did there without mentioning previous and recent guest, Nicole Pasqueretta.
0: Yeah, Who is amazing. Oh, my love. <laughs> you met
1: each other there, and you started doing a lot together there. You started, started working on things together there. Uh-huh. She... Went over how you all developed, from her perspective, the trilogy, the uh, duo show that you did.
0: The Twins trilogy, yes. (laughs) Yes. Yes.
1: (laughs) What is your perspective on how you approached creating that show?
0: Well, first of all, I'll say I listened to that episode, Jason, and you guys were very nice. (laughs) 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 My heart was beating 100 miles per hour. (laughs) as scientifically but yeah uh uh, nicole i mean you meet nicole and you're like okay that she's different
1: (laughs) yeah in the best way possible
0: yeah oh absolutely yeah and i um i mean we bonded pretty early over just like being weird together Mm -hmm. and um you know you quote movie lines with all your friends i feel like that's universal and it's just like a shared like reference level with like each different person like where okay where are we bonding over but it's something different when like nicole and i have like a uh language that we speak <laughs> and a lot of it comes from our like love for just like reenacting uh, movie lines and the way she she'll like say certain things and it's just like w- it, when you have these people who's like will say a line in a certain way it's like yes you you get me and i think that is like a huge part of like comedy people fucking love like redoing things but anyway we had a shared like um absolute passion for parent trap with Lindsay lowen yeah we, like further than just like saying lines from it it was like yeah this this movie like shaped my life um and i w- went to so w- as she mentioned um that james uh quesada my my boyfriend and mm-hmm. um, quote unquote boyfriend <laughs> That's my favorite bit. (laughs) I'm like, I like legally because of payment issues have to say that he is my boyfriend. um, But (laughs) there's really no actual evidence of it, which is funny.
1: (laughs) Yeah, just so the audience knows, I started teasing Julia because after knowing, uh, knowing you kind of for a year, I found out you had a boyfriend, like there was some reference to him. And I was like, oh, you have a boyfriend? I've not seen... (laughs) anything that would prove this you know like i just had i had no idea that you (laughs) that you were seeing somebody and then (laughs) and someone's like yeah they've been together for years and i was like how is there no evidence of this on like instagram or or something
0: and there is never any reference to
1: him and you never talked about him
0: (laughs) He's such a small part of my life that it's like... Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and he's not,
1: though, because you do a bunch of stuff together.
0: Oh, I love him so much. I, I mean, I think part of that stems from he's just, like, not a big social media person. <laughs> I was like, But then Don't, it I, didn't make yeah. it
1: any better that when I finally did meet him, you all... We were all together and getting ready for a show, and he walked through, and <laughs> you spoke to each other, and then... And saying goodbye, you shook hands. <laughs> so I was yeah. like, this is yeah. not a real relationship. Is that weird? Is that weird? <laughs> <laughs> Who shakes hands with their boyfriend or girlfriend of years?
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you know what? It, it and, and that probably stems from we're waiting to kiss until um, we both turn 35. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's something that's been so important to me, you know? (laughs)
1: You're waiting waiting until marriage to kiss. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. (laughs) firm handshake.
0: (laughs) A firm handshake will do. (laughs) Move along and watch my show and laugh.
1: (laughs) It wasn't even like one extended the hand for a handshake and the other just was like, huh? What are you doing? You both just shook hands (laughs) like it was normal.
0: It's so funny. I should I should take one small tangent and just say that I love him so much for so many reasons, but one is because <laughs> our sense of humor together is so is so weird. And I, he's probably the, my favorite person to perform with especially improv wise. We have a duo called Quicksand and it's just like the the I feel like that's where you know, we talk about like trust and like knowing that whatever you say or do will be like um, supported by the other person. I feel that way playing with James because I just know that we're b- we both like, one, we know each other so well, and two, we both have that like, just like wh- anything weird, anything weird, we're gonna take that and amplify it and blow it up and do it a hundred times weirder. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Hence a a handshake um, (laughs) instead of a warm embrace.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's so funny. Uh, Well, that bit is over now. I know that you two are truly together. And uh, from what I've seen of him, which is not much, he's a very funny guy.
0: Yeah. Yeah. He's so funny. I mean, uh, so he like he actually... I'm gonna go on record saying he was my first improv teacher. Um,
1: oh, <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>, problematic.
0: <laughs> yeah, we, we. I mean, we didn't start dating until.
1: I know. Yeah, I'm totally uh, teasing. and
0: everything. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, he was. I mean, he's just like a phenomenal improviser and performer and director, uh, uh, and like he can basically do everything. So he's always someone that I was like excited to like work with on, on that level. Cause he's just like so professional and uh, like has great artistic um, vision. And so w- w- we had been dating by this time. I think it was like a couple of years into um, Nicole and my being at go comedy and, and um, being involved with the theater. But James coached uh, Nicole mentioned this, I know, but he coached uh, competitive speech and, and acting um forensics it's called in certain parts of the uh u.s and so there was like a competition that he was i guessed judging at i don't actually you know what he may have been coaching at the time but anyway i went to go see the um that competition at one of the local high schools because he always like talks about it and he you know coaches us like um These groups that will take some sort of piece of art or or um, like some sort of story in some way and create like a performance, performative theatrical retelling of it, or however they interpret that piece of art, they they do a like um, you know three to five minute piece on it, and so he would like talk about this, but there's no like way to really understand it. Until you like see it, um, so I went to see this, and and one of the things that I was like totally blown away by, there's like a there's um, groups that do like duos and and multiples, so there's like two person ones, and there's like five person ones. I don't know, someone else would be able to explain this better, mm-hmm. but the the ones I remember is like this duo did they they took um, Beetlejuice and they compacted it into like um, a couple, you know. A few-minute piece, and, the, you know, they, like, they'll jump into different characters in a, in a way to, like, tell this story, not by trying to, like, do it as quickly as possible in, like, a, you know, three-minute time span, which that kind of performance has its own value, mm-hmm. but they'll take what's, like, valuable about that piece of art to them and, and either tell, like, a different story based on it or their own sort of spin on that story. Mm-hmm. And I also remember like a a duo doing Five Hundred Days of Summer, which I'm much more familiar with than Beetlejuice. And I was like, "Uh, "This is cool as fuck." (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I thought we could do something. I like came back with that, and I told Nicole, "Like, okay, I bet we could like create some sort of show about our love for The Parent Trap using this sort of like performance style." Mm -hmm. And I bet you James would direct it, and she was in she's um amazing and one thing about nicole the desire to like do something with nicole is i i think like it makes so much sense to me because she's just like you take some idea to her and like she's 100 percent in your camp like that's so important to have people like that in your life Uh, and i like completely love her for so many reasons but one she's just like Yep, let's let's figure out a way to do it. We're we're doing it for sure. And so we brought it to James and he's like, "Yeah, I I would love to direct something like that." And um, first of all, so I'll get into the process, but I just talked for so long. So let me know if there are <laughs> <you have> any
1: <laughs> No, no, no. I love all that information. That was a really interesting approach. When you did start sort of writing from your point of view, What sort of things were you trying to do with the piece and and how were you trying to do it?
0: That's a great question. I, I think it's sort of a reenactment, but like bring to life in a new way what this like movie meant to us, even just through like doing like little lines from it and knowing what parts we thought were so funny in specific ways like characters or actors would like say something in that movie is so funny and i and and i'll say it again like people do this stuff online now like i mean it's like a whole phase of like comedy we're into of like people like lip-syncing things and you know whatever the fuck but there was just something like really special um about like our relationship to this movie and like what it like meant to us even now as adults and how like, as a kid, you watch these movies and it just like consume, oh, i speak for myself, but I, it, like that movie especially just like consumed me. I wanted to be in that movie. I wanted to be every character in that movie. I wanted to be an actor. I wanted to live in London. I wanted to live in Napa. I wanted to be every part of every single piece of that. And I think that is sort of like how I, feel about art that sort of like I get so inspired by I like want everything to do with it in an almost unhealthy way (laughs) (laughs) um but as soon as we started like writing I mean Nicole mentioned that James would give us like little um assignments to do you know the first most obvious one would be like uh okay so write the plot of that movie just like from memory um you know, write as much as you need to, but, you know, try to keep it <laughs> condensed to, like, no more than, like, three pages or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, we both, like, went off and just, like, wrote the plots of these movies. And we both have, like, very... We both have unique voices in general. And
1: mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. I, I... So, just in how we are retelling what this movie is, our, like, comedic voice totally just, like, came out of even that first assignment of like telling the story of like how um Hallie and and Annie like first you know met at camp it was like Hallie's being a total bitch and Annie was just like all you know proper and they like meet and it's like um Annie's like okay we look alike but Hallie's like fuck you and no we don't and it's like <laughs> okay now that's in writing and it's like oh what kind of retelling of a movie is this and it just sort of became like literally our voices <laughs> as as like purely as possible and then and then came all of like you know layers and layers of other types of like performance and and writing and like working in the more like epic quality of it that became the like lord of the rings twist um you know on top of just like that retelling it in our own words um kind of uh style
1: that's a really interesting approach to that i like that a lot like just it it is a it's almost like a life hack way of finding your voice is just to you know don't don't watch the movie again don't read a breakdown just from your memory what happened and you just sort of say okay well this is what happened and why these different points happened that's Totally, that's a a great little trick.
0: Yeah, that's a great point because like I don't think I even thought about it in that way when we were doing it. But even Nicole mentioned it. Like I think this is the purest form of like what our comedic voices are. the the fi- the like finished product of the show. I think is like the the purest form of what our our voices are. But even just like writing freehand, stream of consciousness, like of what. <laughs> how you remember a, a plot is totally <laughs> i think we'll be telling of like what <laughs> what sure. things are funny to you what your voice is
1: yeah when you uh, so there's a story that nicole to- told about putting the show up here in new york and horatio sands showing up <laughs> but he was drunk <laughs> And thought it was yeah. improv and wanted to join the show. What was your perspective <laughs> of that event?
0: That's so funny. I mean, that story is so wacky and funny. Like looking back on it, it was actually very. It was very weird because I mean, Nicole mentioned we are, are we got very used to just like performing in front of four people, and those four people were usually Adam Payne, Mel Rubin, James Quesada, and. Maybe someone else, <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. random. Um, but no, I mean, sometimes we had good, good houses or whatever. But it was, it was so funny because we were we were doing that show and someone, yeah, I noticed that someone came in and was kind of like being annoying and like talking, and I couldn't really tell if they really like wanted information about what he came in with with like someone else. I feel like and that person left, went like went back out, but I didn't know it was him. I, it, I, it was just like kind of talking and I, and you know, we know this show the back of our hand and can just, like, could probably carry on another conversation while doing this show. So I was sort of, like, doubly kind of like, all right, what what what's going to come of this? And I saw Adam, like, trying to talk to him. And I was like, oh, I mean, cool, there's another person, like, watching this show, but also annoying that they're talking.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> that was my reaction to it. And, and then they left uh, in the middle of Act 2, uh, um... We, we have like little act breaks where we're, we will run back and get like water or whatever and something plays on a screen. So during that, he, I noticed, came back out for act three and he was gone. I was like, all right, fine. End of the show, the stage manager goes to us. Well, first of all, I think Mel and Adam go, um, that was Horatio Sands. And I was like, No, it fucking wasn't. Nicole was like, I (laughs) thought it was. I thought it was. And then the stage manager was like, guys, I just kicked out Horatio Sands from your show. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So funny. So we were just kind of like, "Okay." I mean, this was shitty. And then I think the stage manager was like saying it kind of explained that what Nicole did that. Harisha was basically looking for Ali and, like, a stage to drunkenly perform at. And uh-huh. sorry, you found two girls reenacting the parent trap in their own <laughs> voices, bitch.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, so it is just, like, a weird...
1: <laughs> totally. Yeah, yeah. To oh, my gosh. Well, you know, that's why you don't drink improv. No, I'm kidding. Well, we've now reached <laughs> the end of the episode. It is time to create something together. And... The thing that jumped out at me was trying to lay out the plot of something um without, like, just from memory.
0: Right. Okay, perfect.
1: Maybe we can demonstrate that, but what movie should we pick? What are some movies you um, love?
0: Okay. Um I love, I, oh, so, okay. Well, I think my favorite all-time movie besides Pear Trap is School of Rock. Um, always loved Zoolander
1: okay um, yeah I love Zoolander too
0: Zoolander okay perfect perfect this is always like uh, I'm so bad at answering this question of course loved Harry Potter and all <laughs> mm, okay, okay. those movies uh,
1: my favorite movie is a movie you've probably never heard of called Real Genius and um, I love Anchorman oh,
0: I love oh, Anchorman of course
1: Ghostbusters
0: I also think, okay. here's what I was also thinking is, like, if we even choose a movie that you've seen and I haven't or (laughs) all the way around and then we and then we and then the other person just tries to um, add in uh, plot points (laughs) that they think might happen.
1: (laughs) So, yeah, I like that idea, too. Um, The Room. Have you seen The Room with Tommy Wiseau? Mm -hmm.
0: No. Okay. <laughs> no. That's a classic. Except for I have seen that scene where he comes out of the the. Oh, the
1: roof. The roof. And he goes. Oh, yeah. hi, Mark.
0: Oh, hi, Mark.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um. What if we did the room?
0: Okay, let's do the room. Let's do the room, and then I'll um, and then I'll see what I I'll I'll see what I get right.
1: Okay, I think they are straight up sawing a wall off of. <laughs> I think that they're doing so an open funny. concept, and they are sawing.
0: And and Jason, you want to know what? It's it's a wall of the room. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <See>? <laughs> uh,
1: so that's why it's fitting to do the room. So the room. Here's the plot of the room.
0: Okay. A, here's the uh, plot of the room. Here's the plot of the room. Um, a- as told by us. Yes. Okay. Great. Great. Great.
1: So uh, a guy Johnny is. Uh, very successful uh, very good at his job and, i should say Yeah,
0: he's he's and he's actually the first the the like first billionaire um of his like line <laughs> okay. of work
1: yeah and he wants a promotion and obviously he's been working hard always want promotions yes and he's engaged to lisa and yeah. um things are going well um the job's going well and he and his fiance lisa do it a lot um they do
0: yeah they 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 do it because they're trying to prove something i mean uh, again i hate to like harp on this but the billionaire thing uh, like <laughs> she wouldn't love him if it weren't for his money uh-huh and, uh-huh um, and the sex and it and, well, and that's why she she you know there's those scenes where she's telling her sister like yeah no i don't really love him but i have to marry him
1: well, yes, her sister is what you. Yes, yeah. <laughs> who that was. <laughs> ah, and the uh, he doesn't. He gets screwed over at work, and then his relationship starts tanking because See? she just decides she doesn't love him anymore. Yeah, uh, and it's probably like, because Johnny. of the promotion.
0: Yeah, exactly. She's like Johnny. I have to come clean. I've been telling my sister this whole time, and now I'm like going to tell you. That the only reason I love you is because you were about to get a promotion, but not anymore. She
1: goes. (laughs) Right. And then his best friend is around. You know, he's a guy who knows Mark. Uh, Mark is the best friend. He knows Tommy. And they hang out. You know, they they've uh, done run. They've done marathons Mm -hmm. together. Uh, They throw the football around in the park. Um, like six feet from each other because social distancing. Yeah,
0: got, um, and, that's, and how that's how you throw a football. You had to social distance.
1: <laughs> right, you right. Had
0: to social distance. And, only uh, six feet because there was that part where like Mark can't throw the ball actually longer than six feet.
1: Exactly. Six feet. That's what people don't realize about about that yeah. scene. And and then Lisa starts trying to seduce Mark, and he was not into it when he when she first called him like when she first called him he was like what's going on I'm busy and he's just yeah, sitting in no, a car I have no idea what he's doing I don't know what he does for a living <laughs> I don't, he's no, sitting he in a car a
0: job. he doesn't have a job and that's why Lisa was calling him she's like hey I want to really like stick it to Tommy
1: Tommy yeah no, Johnny. Wanna, I'm sorry, Johnny.
0: Johnny. Johnny. <laughs> okay, okay. A classic American student. name, Johnny. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> because you know, I I told him I'm leaving him for his money, but it wouldn't it be great if I um if I started sleeping with his best friend who was poor?
1: Yeah, who is busy somehow. And all the while, Johnny is just, he is not aware of what's going on. He is going, he is buying her red dresses. He is going to the flower shop and talking to doggies and buying flowers for, uh, for her. And, um, and he doesn't drink.
0: He's a teetotaler
1: and he doesn't drink. But then one night after, after, she, Lisa has done it at least twice with Tommy and at least twice with, with Mark. Uh, and she's
0: she, trying to keep it even too. She's trying to keep it like the, the tallies even. She's got that wall, mm-hmm. in, like the tallies.
1: And so she's like, I'm going to trick this guy. So she's like, gets him drunk. She orders pizza, <gasps> his favorite uh, kind of pizza. Why? Yeah, I guess. Domino's green it's pepper. It's just there already. Because she's like, I ordered pizza. She, she asked for like extra uh, cheese or something. And I, I don't, She asked for a bunch of stuff on it. But they're just two plain pizzas that they eat. And she gets them super drunk. She put she's, And like, I don't know what the name of this cocktail is. But there's a brown liquor and a glass. And then she pours vodka in that. And it's straight. There's no ice. There's no oh. mixer. It's not like Coke. It is. It is like bourbon it's
0: called. with
1: <laughs> vodka in it.
0: It's called the, it's called an, an Americano.
1: <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs> Not to be confused with the coffee drink.
1: <laughs> right. And so that's what he drinks and he gets wasted. He's dropping Wait, glasses. did know it was alcohol then? She talked him into drinking it, which he drank uh, because he was so upset about getting screwed alcohol. over at work.
0: Right, right, right. Okay, Everything so else was, in his life in his mind
1: is fine. Okay. He's just like mad that they've been implementing the, the Changes that he made, but they then pass him up on promotion, even though he was exactly. promised his, his promotion.
0: Ideas. Yeah,
1: right. Okay. So he was like upset enough to drink, to be drawn it. to it, the drink, it, and he no gets wasted. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. <laughs> he gets wasted, and then they do it again. And oh, that's uh,
0: three for ta- that's three for Johnny.
1: Right. Meanwhile her mom shows up a couple times, says hello, complains about her brother, complains about just family business stuff when it's like the parents have de- or have died and you're trying to deal with the estate. And then on top of all that, she's definitely dying. Her mom got breast cancer results back and she definitely has it, which she matter-of-factly says. Um, yeah, she
0: says it. She she totally says it. Weirdly, the sister, the sister that... Um, Amy? What's her name?
1: Uh, so, yeah, I Ma- think it is Amy. It's something. Okay. She's Amy. showing up.
0: She's showing up, too.
1: And she and, and some dude are doing it in, to, in Johnny and Lisa's place. I don't know why they show up there to do it, but that's what they do.
0: But they did. But, yeah, yeah, they. it's nicer mm-hmm. because he used to have money.
1: Just their couch. Right. Exactly. Right, exactly. So they get caught by Lisa and the mom, and the mom doesn't like it. And also running in and out of this place is Denny, Denny boy. Denny is a, uh, in school, and Johnny, yeah. he's such a good guy, and he's so rich right. that he is paying for little Denny boy to go to school. And Denny... Oh. Denny is a horn dog because he wants to kiss Lisa because she looks so nice in the red dress that
0: right that 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 Tommy Tommy bought her from
1: right right but he doesn't get any from Lisa because Lisa isn't into that unless cheating involves Mark who she continues to cheat with
0: yeah, she's got her hands full with both Johnny and Mark and the tallies are taking up the full wall. So she can't she can't add tallies for Denny.
1: Right. Then there's uh, an incident with Denny because he's look, he's got everything. He's he's getting his tuition. Uh, he, he's he can hang out at this house whenever he wants. Watch people do it. Um and yet, he still wants to do drugs. And so he gets involved somehow with drugs. Somehow. He just has some drugs. And he didn't pay for the drugs. But he right. got the drugs. He got and he used school, the drugs. I'm pretty sure. Mm-hmm. He, and this guy, Chris R, shows up to get his mother effing money for these drugs. Because <gasps> Denny hasn't given him the money for the drugs. I'm no one. You know, it just seems like. Denny just snorted all the drugs or or did all the drugs, but he didn't pay for the drugs because what a lot of people don't realize is drug dealers constantly give you drugs before you've paid for them. And that's what happened here. But he got real, real mad and brought a gun and Denny almost got shot. But thankfully, Mark and Johnny were there to save the day. Mark just takes the chris r to the the police just takes him uh so citizens arrest
0: good good yeah it, because chris r i mean bottom of his heart knows knows that he's like being a bad guy right now even though it's yeah. literally denny's fault for just like taking and doing the drugs without paying like chris mm-hmm. r knows like i can't
1: kill anyone right so that's exactly what happens there, and then it's time for the birthday party that Lisa mm, has been planning for course. Johnny. And yes, at his the birthday his party, twenty 29th. his 29th birthday party, and at the birthday party, she she does a great job. She brings all of his favorite people. She has mm-hmm. drinks. She's got the americanos. americanos. She's got it all. She thought it. She thought of everything. Good. And then she decides to reveal that she is with child
0: (gasps) oh my gosh i don't know why i'm gasping because i've definitely i you know i'm familiar with this movie but i'm gasping as as you all the audience because it's like whose baby
1: exactly and that's what mark says now johnny not knowing about mark assumes assumes that it's his but mark is like takes lisa aside and is like hey is it mine And she's like, shut up, and slaps him. And, yeah, it was intense. And then uh, the party just goes back to normal. And a few minutes later, she and Mark start dancing together a bit too hardcore. And And then Johnny, yeah, Johnny's like, hey, what are you doing with my woman? (laughs) What are you doing? doing <laughs> yeah he's just like hey man you're my exactly. best friend like w- this is my fiance who is with my child my
0: child and, and then like, and,
1: he right and then a fight starts right they, oh, they get into a fight at johnny's birthday party and mark's like yeah. if you were keeping your girl satisfied she wouldn't have to come to me now oh johnny has no reason to know what that statement means in his mind, it's like if I kept her satisfied, I'd do it with her a lot. Why? And even if I wasn't keeping her satisfied, why would she be dancing with you?
0: Exactly, because she, she. I mean, she. It's not like she was like a big dancer right. at all. She's right. Never. She never expresses that before.
1: Exactly. So for him, he's just thinking like, uh, this is suspicious. So I'm right. gonna start recording messages. Yeah. And he—that's yeah, what he does. He, he starts recording the he, phone calls. Exactly. And yeah. then he it, listens to the he has, and
0: has the government involved.
1: It has the government involved, and then the government, I guess, keys him in on something. So he and Lisa get in this big fight because she's acting crazy. She's crazy. And he's She's like, crazy. "Well, I'm gonna listen to this tape that me and the government put together," and he hears Lisa telling Mark, like, having a conversation with Mark about coming over. And Mark lives in the building, so it's like, wouldn't it be, wouldn't take long.
0: Be a huge deal. She needed sugar. She needed flour or something. Yeah.
1: Right. So Johnny gets pissed. He's like, "This is some BS. I'm going to uh, the bathroom." And I'm going to lock myself in here because it's my birthday. <laughs> and, you...
0: and his bathroom's nice because he's rich.
1: Right. And she's like, When are you coming out of the bathroom? And he's like, In a minute, bitch. <laughs> Direct line. <laughs> and then he doesn't get out in a minute. Like she, you know, there's still this whole back and forth. And mm-hmm. um, then <sighs> she's like, Well, I'm leaving. And so she leaves and then he gets out and he starts reminiscing about the good times. Like when he bought her flowers or bought her a dress or did yes. it a bunch um, mm-hmm. or when he pet a dog. All the good
0: times you do. All the, all the important parts of a, oh yeah, the dog. <laughs> yep. All the important parts of a, of a relationship.
1: Right. That happened within the previous week. That's all that right. he's envisioning <laughs> in his mind. And then he takes his own life. With a gun that he took from Chris R. So it's Denny's fault.
0: Oh, my God. Wait, when did he say, when did he say, oh, hi, Mark?
1: Oh, so this was a, this is, this is an important plot point.
0: Okay. Okay. We're going back.
1: The night that he got drunk and did it with Lisa, that's all that happened. But the next day, Lisa tells her mom that Johnny hit her. And her mom's like, what are you talking about? (laughs) He's like, well, he got drunk last night. And her mom was like, he doesn't drink. And that's pretty much it. Like, she just leaves. Because, like, why? Um, And then for somehow, some way, Johnny hears that uh, he's being accused of hitting her. We don't see that. It's just what (laughs) happened.
0: But believe women. Believe women. Yeah.
1: Right. So he goes to the roof and is like... I didn't hit her. I didn't hit her, it's bullshit. I did not. Oh, hi, Mark.
0: <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Wait, so he's saying all those things to himself?
1: <laughs> he was talking to himself. Because, you know, when you go out on the roof of your building just to blow off steam, because you're exactly. so mad at your significant other, you just mm-hmm. say things out loud to yourself and at not a very the loud you say, volume.
0: Yeah, the things you say out loud should be um, denying anything you've been accused of. Be sure to say those within, like, earshot of anyone who may, you know, be around you. Right. I did not steal that necklace. I did not steal that necklace. Just to be, make sure that everyone knows that you didn't steal that necklace. But keep going. And then he sees Mark.
1: Yeah. And then Mark, he's like, what are you doing here, Mark? And Mark's just up there thinking. And that's that scene. And that happens. There's a pivotal moment in the middle of the movie. Well, it, is, it is passionate. It is, it is an intense movie. And, and one might even say it has the passion of Tennessee Williams.
0: Wow okay the movie ends with him taking his own his life.
1: own life yeah
0: wow okay
1: with a gun that he took from a drug dealer who wanted his money from someone who should have paid him for the drugs he gave him
0: oh so chris r was coming to
1: Collect. johnny
0: for the money no
1: he's going to Denny. okay but when Johnny and Mark saved Denny, they took. Oh, 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 he took Johnny's gun. He took Chris R's gun and he kept Chris it gotcha. for some reason, even though it's evidence.
0: But also, here's my question why is Chris R. I mean, like, why do we say the first initial of his last name?
1: I don't know. <laughs> it's his name on the streets and, and so his rap we don't,
0: name. No, we're not talking about. Chris
1: we're not just talking about any of Chris yeah we're talking about Chris (laughs) R
0: (laughs) specifically oh my god that's so great yeah oh I do yeah uh, you know what I do love that movie so much and having you know (laughs) gone back over that in our recap really is is special but but Jason I'm very impressed with you I mean that was some good that was some good recall of like the plot of this movie and it was riveting
1: yeah, thank you. And now we can make a movie based on a play based on it or <laughs> sketch show.
0: Yeah, we can make us a, a play slash sketch show that's very different from the disaster artist, <laughs> but will be a <laughs> a two woman a two a two woman <laughs> forensic style <laughs> yes. show about the the room.
1: There it is. Thanks so much for being on the podcast, Julia.
0: Yes. Thank you so much for having me, Jason. This was a blast.
1: It was a blast. Really great having her on. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. And I hope you check out Julia online. You can find her on Twitter at jschroeder04 and on Instagram at jules 1090 I don't know what any of those numbers mean. Not at, I mean... If 04 is when she was born, she's 16 years old. That's not possible. Or is she 116 years old? I don't know. Nevertheless, folks, check those things out. Links in bio. You can also follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at there it is Pod. And we also have a newsletter that you should check out. It is a comedy lifestyle newsletter, and it's free. Until next time, be good to each other.